for us to become the sort of people Jesus is looking for, I think the first step we have to, to see is that we really don't have anything to offer. You, we really don't. Come to Equipus Church. You know, if, if, if you invite your friend to Equipus Church and God's not moving... What are you inviting them to, really? Have it, like, just think about it. You take, if we take God out of what we're doing, uh, really it becomes a very, very weird thing. You know, what are you doing? Why are you giving it? But if we, if we can remember, no, we're dependent upon God. You think about if you're, when you're next preparing for something you're doing in church. If, if, if you take God out of the hosting team, if we take God out of the kids program, if we took God out of the worship team, if we took God out of, you know, what you're doing in your workplace, would it make a difference? If, if God didn't come with you to your workplace, would it make a difference? If, God, if God's not helping me next time I preach, would it make a difference? In your mind, if God's not helping you raise your kids, is it going to make a difference? Or do you actually, or you actually a few, you're a few ideas away from really needing God? Because I'm working on this idea, and then if that doesn't idea, idea doesn't work, then I've got this idea. And if that idea doesn't work, then I've got this idea. And if that idea doesn't work, then I've got this idea. And if that idea doesn't work, then we really need a miracle. Right? I think often we live our life, often I can recognize it in my own thinking. I, I, I know, I can see it, even when I'm, I'm planning the church budget. Well, if this happens and that happens, that'd be good. But if that doesn't work, now we really need a miracle. Well, actually, we really need a miracle every day. We really need a miracle every time we step out. Do you know, we really need a miracle. You really need a miracle tomorrow in your workplace, in your studies. You really need a miracle because you, you're the widow in the story. You're not some powerful person who's got other options. Uh, you know, one of the reasons God doesn't bless us the way he would like to is because we would take credit. See, when this widow got justice, she didn't tell her friends, see, I knew that that angle, that, that point of law that I had, I knew that I was going to win this in the end. She didn't have a, a, a legal argument. It was already unjust, but she had no legal angle because the judge was unjust anyway. He didn't care. And she didn't say to her friends, well, I knew I could win this judge over because he would see me and he would take pity on me because I'm, a, you know, I'm an honorable widow. I've got no one else to turn to. But, but the judge didn't even care about people. He doesn't care about people. He doesn't care about the law. She's got no angle, so she can't take any credit once he finally turns it around. And I wonder sometimes that God's not releasing stuff to us because we're too good. We've got too many ideas. We've got too, many, too much of our own strength and not enough reliance on Him. Amen. Another question you've got to ask, I think you should ask yourself is this, is what, what actually, what really matters? Actually, what really matters to you? Because the only things that really matter to you are the things you prayed about today. They're the things that matter to you. If Jesus is our source, and he's the solution to all of the challenges facing the world, what did, what did you pray about today? Because that's what matters to you. If you didn't pray about it today, you don't really care. Not like this woman cared about her issue. See, this woman realized, first of all, she realized she's a widow. She's got nowhere else to turn. And secondly, she's, she's got to have a solution for this because it matters. 
it matters to her personal well-being moving forward. You know, when, when I don't pray for my non-Christian cousins and friends and family members, neighbors, it's only because I don't care. It really is. It's only because I don't care. And I don't pray for them every day because I don't care about them that much. But see, you only have, I, only, I only have to have like, like an like a ingrown toenail and I'll pray about myself every day. And he, you know, not many people die of ingrown toenails, but it would capture my attention. And it would, be, would become to me a life and death matter. Right? And I'm not, I'm not joking around. This is true of me. If it hurts me, it matters to me and it captures all of my focus. And when I'm not, the, 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 the challenge to me is those moments I'm not praying for people who are my closest friends on earth, my cousins, my brother, it's because I don't care. And the challenge is what God's, what's God looking for from me? He's looking for faith. What's eating up my faith before it appears is this lack of care. It's self-reliance in the first point. It's lack of care in the second point. What would it take for you to be as persistent as this widow? You'd have to care as much as she cared about her future, the problem that she's got, right? The next question you've got to ask yourself is this, and uh, I hope you're writing these down because they're pretty worth thinking about, is can you be this persistent without becoming angry and bitter? Because if I'm angry enough, I'll start to get persistent. But Jesus doesn't ask you at the end, when the Son of Man returns, will he find an angry, frustrated pastor? He's not looking for anger and frustration. He's looking for faith. That's what he's looking for. Jesus is looking for faith on the earth. Isn't it cool that Jesus is not looking for results? He's looking for faith. Jesus doesn't need your results. I like the fact that Jesus doesn't need my results. Because he can do the results as long as there's faith. As long as I'm still asking, as long as I'm still persisting, as long as I'm still believing, as long as I'm still carrying vision, uh, then he can do something in my world. But can I be, the question I've got to ask myself is, can I be persistent? Can I be a pray every day Christian? Can I be a, a warfaring Christian without also being an angry pastor or a frustrated parent or a, or a grumpy husband? Can I, can I be, can I see the vision of what God's called me to? And can I pursue it with a persistent joy, with a persistent overflowing love for people? And the challenge is God's not just looking for us to do the deed of prayer, but to have the overflowing heart of faith. That's what he's looking for. Uh, cool. um, number, four, we'll call this number four. I've changed my order around. So number four is um, the question we've got to ask ourselves is, uh, are, we, are we directing our complaint to the right person? In the UK, when we lived there, they had, um, and, and they do it now in New Zealand, but they do it better here, um, like the competition between power companies. And one day when I was out, uh, the power company salesperson came to the door and talked to my flatmate who was like fresh off the boat New Zealander you know and has a conversation with my flatmate and uh you know New Kiwis in uh, in London the fr you know it's just hilarious and uh and so my flatmate sort of ends up accidentally signing up to a different power company all right so we got these forms changing the power company oh you need to, we need to send the bank details and stuff because they're taking over on such and such a day and, um, and so in the end, I, got, I was like, I don't actually want to change power companies. I don't want to fill in the form. 
I don't want to set up another direct debit. I don't really care who's power, what come power company I'm in, but I was just got slightly offended at the whole process. That, uh, <laughs> and uh, so I thought, oh, well, if it's Friday evening. I've got nothing else to do. I'll ring them up. Um, you know, and so I spent a happy three or four Friday afternoons after work, even after work, just ringing the call center, talking to this person, talking to that person, talking to this person. But you know, it wasn't until I said, I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you unless you can fix the problem. Well, tell me what the problem is, and then I'll, I'll, I'll be able to let you know if I can fix it. Okay, I said, well, you know right now you can't fix it, right? Oh, we're not changing to virgin power, right? Tell me. And so it wasn't until I got transferred, 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 transferred to someone, and I finally got transferred to someone on their mobile, <laughs> And I said, I never filled in the form. I never signed it. I'm not changing to Virgin. I'm not getting off the phone unless you can assure me that you're fixing the problem. See, what? I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time talking to someone. I've got this person I keep going back to. I don't know about you. I've got this. Have you got, have you got, have you got one person that's, you know, you've got a bit of a relationship with them and, and you've got this mutual, sort of mutually exclusive thing where you, you've sort of agreed with each other that you can moan. You know, you've got that. I've got this very close friend, and, and I've got an arrangement with him. And basically, I can, to him, I can just moan and complain and go over and over things in my mind. I can stew on it. I can spew it out, right? And I'm talking about myself because you have the same friend, right? You would never talk to an actual other person in such a negative, complaining, miserable, defeatist, helpless sort of tone as you talk to yourself, rolling over and over in the head. I can't believe this situation hasn't changed. This is never going to turn around. This is never uh, going to change. And the reality is that that, that we that those that self-talk, even sometimes the words that come out of our, out of our mouth, the things that roll around in our heart and our emotion, we've got to understand that that complaint is all just a complete waste of energy and effort. If we opened up our mouth in prayer, do you know the funny thing about if you ever complain to God, have you ever done it in prayer? It's really short. Have you found that? Because your words just dry up on your tongue. It's just like, mm, oh, that's it. now that I'm saying it out loud, it sounds really quite stupid. Uh, now that I'm saying it out loud, it sounds really um, unfair. Now that I'm saying it out loud, but the reality is when you start to say things out loud, do you know what? You start to feel the solution. Don't you? Or you start to feel like, oh no, God's got a solution in hand. I don't know how many times I've worried about something for maybe an hour or an hour and a half. It's going on in the back of my mind, or I'm driving somewhere just worrying, worrying, worrying. And then I'm finally like, what, Jesus, I just, this situation is starting to really annoy me. This is what I want to see happen. Do you know, it's amazing what shifts in my heart. Just as I say that out loud. And you know, when it comes to prayer, sometimes we get way too mystical. We get way too mystical or we get way too dismissive. So we're like, well, prayer is in tongues or with our eyes closed or in holy tones. Or this is what I find myself doing. I find myself praying in, in flowery language. You know, or I find myself praying like this. I oh, thank you, Jesus, for I'm dinner. Amen. Like, oh, Lord, I need a car park. But, it's all good if you need a car park. But, but there's, a, there's a place in the middle called like normal prayer. 
that's not flowery language and it's not sort of dismissive and rote, but it's in the middle where you talk to God like a, like a person because he's revealed himself as a person and things change. And we've got to ask ourselves, are we directing our complaint to the right person? Are we speaking far enough up the chain or are we just talking to ourselves in the call center and wondering why nothing is changing? Number six, the question we've got to ask ourselves is, is are, we, are we pursuing the promise of God? Because Jesus is looking for faith in me. When Jesus returns, he's looking for, how many people have got faith? That's what he's looking for. How many people have got faith? But see, the issue is, is, is as long as I'm healthy and the bills are paid, it's hard to stir myself. Credit cards paid off. Children are doing okay at school. Business is going all right. Church is bubbling along nicely, right? Because now I'm, I'm content. You know what I've reached? When, when, when the mortgage is paid off nicely with my income, the kids are happy. Church is bubbling along nicely and it's fun, as long as church is fun. Do you know what I've reached? At that point, I've reached my shadow mission. And the issue is, you stop praying just like I stop praying when I reach my shadow mission. And see, so God's given us a mission, and that mission aligns with our gifts and our abilities and the call of God in our life. And the devil gives us a shadow mission. The thing about it is it's not, if it was the opposite, right, you'd, you'd pick it up. Right, so Jesus has given me a mission to lead a movement of change, a Christ-centered movement of change that impacts New Zealand for generations to come. That's what God's called me to do, right? The devil has called me, the devil's calling me to have a nice, happy family where people are healthy and things are well and things are ordered and on time. Right? So, so I've got this sense of I'm pursuing this mission, but that's really hard and it's demanding and this is really close to it a nice church that's that sort of looks like this thing of like a movement for change well and this is it's a church and you can say well that doesn't really look a movement change well hold on hold on look closely it's a movement for change sort of you know the reality is God hasn't called me to lead nice church right and and if let's think about it if he was calling someone to lead a nice church would I get the job But why, why is this shadow mission in me? Because I've got this, inside me, I've got this insecurity about always being liked. Right? I've always got to be liked. Right? So I adjust a lot of what I feel God's calling me to do away from the actual promise and plan of God to a close enough thing that I feel comfortable with that's also going to still allow me to feel liked. Now, it's pretty embarrassing, but you do exactly the same thing. And that's why Christians have this motivation. You have this motivation and this energy. And then you get close to stuff and then it, you, you stop to reach out because you've got this thing that's goodish, goodish. But the reality is if we're pursuing the promise of God that looks like this, every family on earth is blessed. It, 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 it's such a stark statement of extreme, you know? It's a mission statement from God. Every family on earth is blessed. It means we've still got something to pray about. 
In Wellington, we've got something to pray about. Even in a suburb as affluent as Karori, we've got something to pray about. Even in the better part of Karori, down at Thurley Grove, we've got something to pray about. Right? Because it's not, if, if my mission is nice church, I don't have to, I've got nothing to pray about. There's money in the bank. We've got a nice wooden wall. I like it. I actually really like it. We've got this carpet, which is one of the best in, in investments we've ever made. Carpet's been flooded over 100 times. You wouldn't know. In a thousand years, there'd be nothing left of this building. They'll come here and they'd be like, man, this is a patch of carpet. How did the nuclear holocaust, volcanic eruption, you know, sink into the ocean, rise again? There'd be like, a patch of 150 square meters of gray carpet that Pete Thompson glued down and a stain down, right? Now, the, come on, if we, if we settle for the shadow mission, there's nothing to pray about. If we're not praying, we've got to ask ourselves the question, have we settled for the shadow mission? Does Emma get to put her feet up? Now she's got the PhD. Well, getting the PhD was never the goal. Changing the world was Emma's goal. Getting the PhD is just on the way, isn't it? But sometimes the on the way things can distract us or we can, we can divert into the little side road and think, oh, here's a rest area ahead. Oh, brilliant, brilliant, nice church. Well, let's just do night's church. But come on, there's got to be something in us that says, no, we're here for mission. We're here for call because Jesus is looking for faith when he returns. There's no way we're going to have faith if we've got a small dream uh, or, or, or we've diverted ourselves into something else. Cool? Um, I wonder, um, with this widow, I wonder how, how many other widows were in town. No, no, probably not the point of Jesus' story. But the, it is, so there's this one widow who's wronged. And it seems like it's some sort of miscarriage of justice but it's pretty rare for something to go wrong in a justice system or an economic system that affects just one person you know something something goes wrong and they say something goes wrong in a bank in New Zealand it's not going to affect just one person I'm sure there probably wasn't one just one vulnerable woman in town who'd been wronged by this unjust judge no doubt Half of the cases that came before this unjust just judge were unjustly dealt with. Otherwise, how did he get the name of the unjust judge? You know, you don't get a reputation like that for just mistreating one person. I, went, I was asking myself the question preparing, you know, do I even realize I've been ripped off? Maybe the reason I'm not stirred by faith is I don't realize that I'm actually living less than what God's called me to. Maybe even as a church, we're not a church of passionate prayer because we actually don't realize that we're not anything like what God's called us to be. We're not living anything near the victory God's called us to. We're not living any, with anything near the power God's called us to. We're not living with anywhere near the freedom that God's got for us, or the peace that God's got for us. Maybe we think this is as good as it gets. And as long as this is as good as it gets, why would there be any point in putting effort in and persistence in and reaching out. Amen? So where we're at in terms of church, in terms of our vision, is real simple. We've been praying for what seems an incredibly long time for more space. Out of the blue, Pastor Boone rings me up and says, you've got to ring Wellington High School today. I've just heard that Destiny Church has stopped meeting there and they're meeting at Nainai. How do we know that? Because he was trying to book Nainai College and they said you can't have Nainai College because Destiny Church is going to be there. 
So after years of praying, now we've got a space. So in reality, we've been, I've been considering and thinking and all that sort of stuff, but we haven't yet made a decision. I've been saying things like that. I, I made a decision as soon as Pastor Boone rang me. Well, actually, I made a decision before that. As soon as we can get a venue like that, we just need to move, right? So in reality, what we've been doing is just preparing, right? You know, let's get everyone thinking about it so that when we do make a decision, we can get it. I've also been negotiating, which is awesome. We've got a super cheap deal now. Uh, <laughs> I was a little bit nervous that I was negotiating. I was going to end up having to say, well, I've started negotiating and they've given it to someone else. But um, no, we've definitely got a good deal, uh, which is helpful. But if God's given us more space, we've got to ask ourselves, do we step into the more space or do we stay where we are? You know, if we're going to do anything like the easy thing, we stay where we are. But if, if, but if we're going to do what God's called us to, I really believe we have to step into the bigger thing. Because we have this vision of blessing every city, of every family in our city. We have this vision of equipping people that, to, to impact, you know, the, the, all of the different aspects of society. Education and, and in medicine and the arts and politics, you know, that, which, we can do, which we're doing already. We've got people, you know, coming to church, being impacted and moving into those spaces and having influence. But if we've got more seats on a Sunday, we can have more people motiv- mobilized on a Monday. Uh, and so if we can have that more space, that's a good thing. The challenge with more space is that uh, it costs more money. Uh, it doesn't always cost more money, but in this case, it's going to cost us $500 a week to start with, because thanks to my negotiation skills, uh, this is pretty good, eh? <laughs> that's just for a couple of months and then it goes up to 700 and then by the end of the year it goes up to 900 but I was talking to Pastor Sam and he said he'd pay $900 just for car parks uh, <laughs> he said the car you're getting a car park worth about $1,000 a week uh, so you should stop negotiating <laughs> but the reality is you know in terms of our budget we, we need to pray for we need to believe for $1,000 more income every week you know, or else we've got to adjust things, right? And we've already adjusted and adjusted and adjusted. Uh, so we need to really believe, actually, you know, we need, we need a resource to be released. So what I'm asking, really, as, you know, leaders in church, I'm asking, number one, could we pray for God to resource what we're doing? You know, because it would be a shame to just come up with a good idea that solves the financial problem. Wouldn't it be really cool just to have God break through uh, and to God provide, God, God to send people to join us who can contribute by tithe and all those sorts of things as well. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Um, and the other thing we want to do is um, in, in shifting to the bigger space, uh, we want to do two things. We want to, we want to not go backwards in terms of what, how well we do things. So we don't, want to go, we don't want to go into a bigger space and for it to feel emptier. Yeah, you know, and, uh, and that's a little bit about thinking and organizing and furniture. So, so we, we, we want a bigger sound system when we go there, not for it to sound bigger, but for it to not feel smaller. Once we put our sound system here in a bigger space, it, it's going to feel different. So when we, and we want a few extra lights because six lights is good in this space, but we might need 12 there. So th- those, are, those are pretty minimal investments, and we've got money we can spend to do that sort of stuff. But, but in a couple of areas, probably hosting, uh, we, we've right across the last, probably about the last five weeks, we've been putting as much energy as we can, and Rachel's been leading the team, and the different people leading have been putting energy. We've got new t-shirts, which look sharp. Um, but even in, in the bigger space, we, we don't, we don't want to actually host the bigger space the way we host here. We want to host it better. Uh, now, better is not the most helpful word, but I hope you understand what I mean. We want to we host it more. 
warmer. We want to host it more effectively. We want to host it with more impact. Um, and because it's a bigger space and because it's a school, because we've got a bit of, we've got a good homely vibe here because it's not a school hall or a public space. You can create warmth with a couple of people on each door, but we're going to need to have more people to create the warmth. And, and we probably need to, we're going to want to also invest in some signage and things like that so it looks like Equippers Church when you get there rather than looking like a school hall. Um, so, so there we need to invest there as well. But part of the area I think God's spoken to us really strongly about, I've had a couple of really cool prophetic words about for us as a church and also for a mo- as a movement of churches, is really in the area of our primary school age, intermediate, that, well, really the kids' programs right through creche, right through to massive. And, um, and I just think our goal's got to be, and it's, but I've talked about this quite a lot in the past, our goal's got to be that, that the kids' program at Equippers Church at 10.30 on a Sunday morning, and, and then again at 6 p.m. on Sunday night, is the coolest thing for kids in the city. Not, 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 just, not just like it's a cool, we don't, want to, we don't want it to be the coolest church kids program. We just want it to be the coolest thing a kid could do. Like, well, you know, if, you know it's the coolest thing to do. And kids begging their parents, oh, I want to go to this thing called Equippers. Uh, why? Because everyone at school keeps talking about how cool it is uh, and how much fun it is. And, and, you know, 99% of that is about how awesome the leaders are because uh, that's, how, that's how kids relate with the world, you know. And, and, and 1% of it is uh, that we need a bit of gear and a bit of equipment to, to fill the spaces and make it look good. We probably need to invest in um, some curriculum so we, we take pressure off the leaders so they put their effort into connecting with kids rather than putting their effort into, I've got to invent a kids' program by Sunday. Um, and and they, we probably also, with that in mind, we want to put quite a bit of investment and energy into keeping it safe. Um, because if we want to run a kids' program that's the coolest in the city, then kids will come. If kids come, we need to know who the heck they are and when they arrived and when they left and who picked them up uh, and a few things like that. So we probably need to invest in some information systems as well to make sure that we're keeping kids uh, safe. So when we're talking uh, in the next couple of weeks, and we've talked already about it with, with our miracle offering, uh, obviously 30% of what gets given in, um, in, our, in our global impact offering out of a church goes to things, to church planning all around the world. And we don't ever want to change that just because we just reckon it's good for two reasons. It's great to be in agreement with other churches. Uh, and it's also good for us to have a mission outside of ourselves, right? But the, the balance of the money we get in Miracle Offering, we want to continue to invest in Revolution Youth. Uh, and the, probably the, 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 the money that we spend in youth gets spent, uh, probably 50% it gets spent into Revolution Tour, making that happen as part of our responsibility collectively. Um, and then a bunch gets spent on making the uprising happen. Um, but we've got leaders now operating in f- three or four places around the city that we actually want to get behind and fund on a week-by-week basis with things like food uh, and venues. And, uh, and we really want to get behind that team. We've got their, they've got vision, they've got passion, and so we want to put some money behind it uh, for the sake of the teenagers that they can interact with. We also want to keep rocking it uh, on the campuses through Revolution Uni, and, uh, and it's just awesome. The miracle this year of seeing people uh, coming from campus, responding, it's just an awesome, awesome thing. And, uh, you know, if we think about someone like an Alistair and uh, uh, just the impact he's made in, into our church, is pretty phenomenal. Uh, but if it wasn't for the, the leaders who were looking out for him when he got here, for Hayden Saunders and those other young adults-focused leaders, uh, he never would have stayed. He came here because it was close to where he lived. It meant that he could sleep in until the first praise song started. Uh, (laughs) 
Well, or till he, or till he heard the music die down, and then you know. Um, but um, but it was really the the fact that there was a team who were focused with faith, looking for young guys as they arrived and really connecting them. So we want to keep investing into that team in terms of leadership development, also in terms of resource to do stuff on campus, like giving away candy floss and all those really significant ministry opportunities uh, doing that. And so, uh, and, and, then, and then lastly, we want to, um, with the, that kids program, we don't want to just invest it into sort of primary school age kids. Uh, we really want to um, uh, probably lift the level on what we do, uh, what we've you know, done probably almost. We've done almost as a pilot with um, with the Mind Your Marriage course and with the parenting course that Dougal's designed. And I'd love it if, as a church, we could figure out ways to resource that. And that's not just a financial thing. It's also like a, we've got to get people to them and think about how how to make it work and how to make it connect. But those are really the key is where we want to invest for two reasons. To, basically just to keep moving forward. And, and we, you know, Miracle Offering is not about changing locations. We receive the Miracle Offering every single year. Uh, but it's just nice timing this year that we've got to change the location at the same time so we can focus our attention. Is that cool? Very, very cool. Um, so probably the only difference to how we spent Miracle Offering last year is that this year we're spending more of it on equipment than we have before. In previous years, we've spent a lot of money from Miracle Offering on just the really glorious thing called the mortgage uh, and uh, which was good because we paid we paid a lot of it off before we sold the building, so uh, it was good. And uh, it was pretty hard to get excited about from my perspective, but uh, not really. It's easy to get excited about, but hard to hard to talk about. Other than yeah, we paid the mortgage. It's good. It's good. It positions us for the future, which is what it's about. Do you know, in First um, Chronicles twenty two five, David's taken up an offering for Solomon. Um, and Solomon's this next generation that David's thinking about when he takes up the offering. And just says this cool, just, just the cool thing about the house of the Lord, he says, the house of the Lord must be exceedingly great. And he gives his offering from the basis that there's a, there's, if, if, it's almost like him just saying, well, if you're gonna, if you're gonna build a temple, then it's gotta be awesome. You know, and I think that about church sometimes as well. If, if we're gonna get out of bed early on a Sunday, Let's go for it. You know, there's no point getting out, out of bed early and coming down here and vacuuming the place and straightening the chairs and then sitting there like this. Like if we're gonna if we're gonna be as, as if we're gonna be as crazy as we are, let's just go crazy. You know what I mean? It's like it's like going for a midwinter swim. Who's ever been for like a midwinter swim? The, you know, the right way and the only way to do a midwinter swim is just to sprint at it. You know, but I think sometimes we approach God like, oh well, we're gonna do this big thing for God. Do you know, I think, A, you're probably never going to do it if you approach it like that. And B, like, you already look stupid. Uh, you know, we're already, you know, let's, we might as well go for it. If we're going to sing a song about Jesus who's invisible, we might as well sing it loud. If we're going to, you know, if we're going to dance, we all know you can't dance. You might as well just let your arms go free and uh, give it, you know, because, and I think that's the same with our giving. Come on, if we're going to give, you know, if you're going to tithe, you know, some of, the, some of your friends would fall down dead. 10%? You know, well, if we're gonna if we're gonna tithe, come on, let's 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 just throw ourselves at this thing called extending the kingdom. You know, if you're gonna be part of church, why wouldn't you be in a hosting team or a music team as well? I mean, uh, and it's all part, it's just you know, if you're gonna jump, you know, if you're gonna jump in the pool, you know, don't don't climb down the ladder. You know, don't we can if you want to. You can do it. Approach it how you like, but you're gonna have more fun if you just jump in the deep end. You know, oh, yeah. Well, we'll try. We'll tithe one percent. One and a half percent, one point seven five. It's just a longer process, you know. Just dive in and see God do something great on your behalf. 
So in terms of in terms of tithing, you know, like we really do believe, like as a church, we really do believe that the Bible teaches that we should honor God with ten percent of what we earn, and we we believe that means before you pay your tax, before you pay your bills and your groceries, you say, oh, I'll get this much in from God. I'm going to set aside the first fruits of it as a way of honoring Him. And I personally like the fact that that's an ancient practice dating back six thousand years BC when Abraham did it. You know, and beyond that, when Cain and Abel gave their offerings, I quite like the fact that when I do that with my tithe, I'm doing something that's been done for thousands and thousands of years uh, when I tithe. And, um, you know, and I was saying that on Sunday night, I talked about it, and so I'll say again, that I, I, do, I really do value the tithe. So, like, I'm a tither, and um, my kids tithe their pocket money. Um, and, uh, like, like, we, you know, we value the tithe. Um, and as a as a leader of church, I, I really value the tithe. Um, personally, I think if 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 as a church, if we all tithe, I think there'd be a just there'd be just a frightening there'd be just a frightening amount of stuff we could do. So, yeah, so we, we are probably a high percentage giving church, uh, but but not a very high percentage tithing church. So we've got people who we've got people who give and give sacrificially, and 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 really, if you sit down and look at the bank statements with me you'd have to agree that some people are just carrying the can for other people who aren't wanting to right so but I'm not going to say that on a Sunday right because what I don't want I don't want people to feel uncomfortable when I talk about money but it's very very difficult to teach the whole counsel of God without talking about money uh you know lots so much of what Jesus said related to money or was illustrations around money um and you know Malachi 3 talks about the tithe and in Malachi 3 he Malachi's challenging the people, you know, you're robbing God, is what he's saying. But Malachi 2 is probably more ferocious than Malachi 3. You don't get to hear about Malachi too much because in Malachi 2, the, the prophet is challenging the priests. And he's saying, you're, you're under the judgment. The priests, you're under the curse of God, not relating to the tithe. But you're under the curse of God because you haven't taught people all of the law. You haven't taught them the whole. You haven't told them the whole story, and so whenever I talk about money, I'm like, oh, I've got to talk about Malachi three, because I just read Malachi two, and I don't want to. I personally, as a leader, I have a responsibility to say, come on, let's tithe, let's get into it, let's give ten percent. If you can't do ten percent budget wise, we'll do do what you can to move towards it. But I've said that the the people in our church who earn the most money tithe, and the people in our church who earn the least money tithe. So you in the middle. There must be a way for the maths to work. Like I just, I just think, and, and maybe it takes a, maybe it's a journey, but you can make the maths work. And surely our ways, a reason for obeying God or not isn't, isn't because the numbers work. It's because God's calling us. Is that all right? So what I'd like is, um, is for if I put the challenge out to you. I, I, I would like that that when when it comes to things like tithing and money, I think it's really important that for you as a group. Uh, that you understand what we teach as a church. That re- is really important because nearly no one is going to come up to me and ask me questions. It's partly because I've got like I've got fierce eyebrows. I've decided it's the eyebrows, and they're, they're bushy. I've got bushy eyebrows, and when people ask me questions and I go like this at them, people think that I'm being aggressive and judgmental. Deep in my heart, I'm not. Uh, but it's just I have a you know I have a physical disfigurement known as giant eyebrows, right? Um, and, and, and partly because I'm the, but partly because I'm a loudmouth. People don't generally come and ask me sensitive questions about where they're at, right? But it will come up in e-group, and, and it will come up in conversation with a friend, and, and you'll probably have more opportunity than me 
to really lead someone through the process where they can find uh, just uh, the blessing of bringing their finances in line with the Word of God and just seeing God do something really significant in their world, right? So I just really challenge you, if, you, if you're not comfortable with it, go on a journey. Read, what, read the Bible. Find out what the Bible says. Uh, read the Bible. Then you can look online at blogs and stuff like that as well, but do that after you've read the actual Bible. Uh, and and um, and really find out what it says. Talk, you know, send me an email. I want e group. I'm going, I'm I'm trying to get around e groups, but we've it's been stalled a little bit with Chrissy being uh, really unwell for a, a week and a half. But I, I'd love to come to e group and I can answer questions about the miracle offering and about how we spend the money and how we spend you know the importance of tithe and stuff like that as well. Um, so with that in mind, we've, I've gone a few minutes over, and um, but I'd love it. I wanted to go quick uh, to give you time to ask questions. You know, if you do have questions about things like miracle offering, because, uh, you know, if people ask you, or questions people have asked you, you can relay, we can just talk about, and go from there. Just ask it out if you have a question. Oh, Meg, you're like, you're just being friendly. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. No? All good? All good? You know, um, I think uh, globally about 5% of Christians tithe. Um, in churches like ours, I think it's slightly higher. Uh, I think in Equus Auckland, it's about uh, b- between 10 and 18%, depending on how you count it. And uh, <laughs> questions? Thank you, Duncan. See, that's the spirit of excellence Duncan has there, yeah. And I just think, you know, just, um, just have a think about what we do as a church already. Revolution Tour, Youth Hubs on campus, uh, reaching out, quality environment created on a Sunday. Uh, You know, imagine what we could do if we had 80% more finance. You know, we would be looking for places to plant churches. We've got a spare 100,000. Let's do something with it. Uh, That's really the position that we'd be in uh, as, as a community, which would be a significant thing, wouldn't it? Imagine if we're in the position every time someone who was hungry came in, we could send them away with grocery, you know, hundreds of dollars of grocery vouchers, you know, if we, if we thought that someone needed it, uh, you know. And that's really the power of God. And that's what the open windows of heaven look like. We can really impact our city then. Amen? Cool. No more qu- no questions? Comments? Anyone? You got a good joke? No, awesome. Well, let's pray. Can we pray? And then we'll get moving. I want us to, let's get, could we get into maybe groups of four and pray? I want us to pray um, for a couple of things, uh, really towards our, towards our launch out. But I'm praying, uh, you know, this is vision night. Uh, and I've been praying for probably about a month now with, 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 the, with the miracle offering, thinking about how I'm going to talk about it, all that sort of stuff. And I've really just been praying that vision would capture our hearts. Uh, not not like a, a, a you know because I don't know how, whether I can I could probably be more organised and get a good spiel together, um, but I don't want people giving because of a great spiel. I want, we I really want people giving out a revelation as vision captures their heart uh, and con- contributing and connecting like that. Is that all right? So let's pray. Can we pray for that right across church? Uh, and that'd be awesome. And then we'll call it a night. <laughs>